0: Hey traders! Welcome to the forty-seventh episode of the Parfermonte podcast. We're going to be talking more about the short squeezes from the Wall Street Bets Reddit channel. We're going to first talk about uh, the Dogecoin opportunity, the uh, massive spike to the upside. Fundamentals don't make sense, but we'll dive into that in a little bit. We'll talk some news regarding Elon Musk, uh, some things regarding the actual. Uh, actually charitable, opportunity, I guess charitable donations that we've been seeing from the massive gains and profits from the short squeezes that we've been seeing within the markets. We're going to be looking at uh, some of the things for Robinhood. They said that they were uh, closing some trading capabilities due to volatility. We think otherwise. We're going to talk about tokenization and then we're going to end off the podcast looking more into the Wall Street subreddit. So, or Wall Street Bet subreddit. So thank you very much for tuning in to another Performante podcast, and I'm going to hand it over on to Nathan.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in. The day is uh, the 30th of January, and I appreciate the time you've taken to tune in. Just jumping right into it, what a crazy week in the market has been. We've seen random assets from the four corners of planet Earth just pump for very little rhyme or reason, and most notably is Dogecoin. That's definitely seen, I think, was the winner on the week in terms of overall net gains with that massive spike. It's definitely pulled back almost 50% from its high that it set, but it reached 800% in 24 hours. Just absolute insanity coming out of Dogecoin. And uh, one thing that I think is important to note that when people are considering that really fuck the big, investment banks fuck the hedge funds perspective is that by buying and pumping dogecoin you're not having any effect on the institutions whatsoever (laughs) in fact you're putting some money in their pockets with the commissions and the spread you're undoubtedly market buying with (laughs) just absolute misunderstanding there is no investment bank or so i hope short on dogecoin at this period in time This is much more pump and dumpy. You're just taking money from your fellow traders because at the end of every buy is a sell and at the end of every sell is a buy. So ultimately, there's definitely some people, specifically, I remember reading this on Reddit that Mia Khalifa bought the top on the Dogecoin pump and she tweeted being like, this is the only time I've hated a dog.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) That's so funny. That's a good story. It's very true though. I feel like it's just basically one big pump and dump instrument really. Um, Has no real fundamental value in my opinion. There's no one working on it. There's no future from a use case standpoint other than a pump and dump instrument. And like Nathan said, if you are looking to target institutions, uh, hedge funds and just large capital, large firms, Dogecoin is not the thing to uh, look at. Look at the short float. Look at companies that these hedge funds are heavily shorting, and that's how you can corner a market because they have to get out, and if you pump the market, they have to get out at these crazy high prices. So that's the way to destroy hedge funds like Melvin Capital, and uh, I do agree with it, but Dogecoin is not, not the right place to do it. So hopefully everyone is being cautious. In, in that market. Um, now to the next, did you have anything to add there?
1: Oh, not much to add other than uh, when we are talking about Dogecoin, obviously that is a project that does not have an upper limit on how many that exists. It's uh, infinite liquidity, infinite supply kind. Under project with those repetitive blocks being added to the blockchain, so buyer beware. Take uh, any suggestions to buy Dogecoin with a grain of salt, let's say, because ultimately, when you're talking Doge, you're kind of talking Elon Musk, and he's been uh, quite the character in the past couple of weeks. Specifically, uh, I believe it was Thursday when he changed. No, it was Friday when he changed his Twitter. By liquidate 420 million dollars of shorts, which is a pretty funny number because he said he was going to take Tesla private at 420. But uh, Bitcoin actually settled out at around 38,000 US dollars on, on that bit of a squeeze, and uh, it really just fortifies that this is Elon's world and we're just living in it, he's the pretty much the official king of the internet at this point (laughs) and whatever elon says or whatever elon does that is the new standard if you will
0: yeah he truly does what he wants um he's an absolute genius but i think what separates him from everyone else is he has an unbelievable work ethic and actually takes action to you know bring his dreams into fruition bring them to life and He has many endeavors that he is pursuing, and uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if he is Satoshi Nakamoto. He just doesn't have time to become the CEO of Bitcoin, so he's just letting it be and uh, seeing how the market emerges because he wants to know how these apes handle a new money. (laughs) It's basically, I think, how he's looking at it, if if that is the case. Um, We'll see how it goes, but yeah, it's interesting because he is using Dogecoin, the the really only asset, like, he comments on other stuff, but, you know, he said he's the CEO of Dogecoin so many times, and I think people see that and think, oh my god, this this asset must be unbelievable, it's backed by Elon Musk, but then in his mind, it's actually truly a joke, and it's like, for him, funny, but people are taking financial risks because they think that he's actually backing the coin, so hopefully people know that uh, he's just joshing around, (laughs) he's joking.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine he's sitting at home on his couch, maybe towards the end of like an 18-hour workday, as he tends to do, and he's like, "I'm gonna tweet something about Dogecoin," and then just pulls up TradingView and watches it absolutely moon. Honestly, he's, he's got just... uh, he's got the internet absolutely on their knees. Whatever he says, <laughs> he is the the official king of Reddit. Let's say.
0: <laughs> Man, like for the stuff that he's done, I'm surprised that he is where he is. Like I'm surprised the SEC hasn't done more, to be completely honest. Cause like it truly is market manipulation, even if he doesn't want it to occur, like one of the stocks absolutely moon because a lot of people thought that he was talking about one ticker when it was truly another. So it it really is market manipulation. Just the amount of influence a single human being has is pretty astonishing. And you don't really see that many like people with his level of status be so active on social media, especially Twitter. If you like seeing Jeff Bezos, for example, being as active as Elon Musk would be, would be like an interesting site because it just gives that level of like depth to them. Like I know, I feel like people know Elon much more than they know Jeff Bezos, for example, that same level of like disruption and what they're able to provide the marketplace. But, um, it's a crazy world we live in, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, ultimately, I feel like that's kind of the power of social media is bringing these basically billionaires and people that are one in a generation equivalents to the spotlight. And I feel like they can either own it like Elon does and absolutely more or less flounder in the spotlight as he goes about his day-to-day life, or they could kind of be a bit more private, secluse, kind of like Bezos. But another interesting uh, series of events is ultimately what is coming out of Wall Street Bets with these GME plays, with uh, Nokia, with the AMC. There's been people making absolutely ludicrous amounts of money, specifically call options that used to be out of the money are printing like no tomorrow. And you love to see it because people are doing that in the, their tax advantage accounts, really optimizing mm-hmm. their gains. And in some circumstances, they're even giving back to local charities. So there's been a lot of posts on Reddit of individuals donating their AMC or GameStop to local children's hospitals, whether it be to buy consoles or just provide money for the various foundations. Super wholesome to see that kind of kickback. Because we're in a situation for, I would say, one of the few times in history where the underdog is winning within the world of the financial markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's super awesome to see that kick back into the communities and wherever it may be, rather than kind of the pure capitalist intention and overall schema that you see when you are dealing with Wall Street profits. Another interesting expenditure of the GameStop tendies printing are uh, people flying planes over San Francisco or Miami. Specifically, one individual did a couple laps around the Robin Hood Hood headquarters in San Francisco saying, like, Robin Hood, eat a dick. Wow. (laughs) Which is just absolute tomfoolery and represents a whole nother level of dedication to the cause and overall ability to probably have that fuck you level of money.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting, because as this plays out with Robinhood, they've really cemented themselves as a part of the institutional pool of of individuals and corporations, really. They could have really taken a different approach to it, but at this very moment, a lot of people are absolutely furious because they've restricted the ability to purchase uh, heavily shorted companies by institutions. So you know, institutions can short all they want. It doesn't matter. But once they're getting hurt, then, you know, we have to change things. The game is unfair and we have to limit the ability for these retail traders to accumulate their capital and basically corner a market. They know a hedge fund is heavily shorted a certain asset. If they can get it above certain entry or like risk tolerance level they have to buy back in and and buy back the shares so it's just intelligent and strategic and they're limiting that ability they're limiting the ability to have a free market and corner a certain fund if if they see that opportunity so um, there is a letter here Congress of the United States Melvin Capital Management is owned by the parent company of Citadel LLC, which is according to a blur, Bloomberg report, gave Robinhood Robin 40% of their revenues. So uh, knowing the involvement in Citadel has with Robinhood, it is clear that the actions taken today were motivated by anti-competitive reasons, not for concern of volatility claimed by Robinhood. Because of the blatant conflict conflict of interest and obvious monopolistic manipul- activity I'm calling on an immediate investigation by the U.S. Department of Justice into Robinhood and the hedge fund of Citadel LLC. Pretty unbelievable. And this is by the Member of Congress. So uh, people are looking into it. Robinhood's basically cemented themselves as a part of the institutions, and I think people are never going to see them the same way. And they could lose a tremendous amount of business, and and at this point could even not really have a a client base at, at the end of it.
1: Yeah, I think they've really shot themselves in the foot with kind of taking that institutional, I guess, preferential treatment would be a word to describe it. What they did is super sus, and they are going to get investigated, but I don't know if they'll ever be able to find anything concrete and imagine that when they're operating at this high level of financial services that obviously they understand what they're doing when things need to get done. And I, we'll see what the, the Department of Justice can dig up because ultimately, I think Robinhood is on a downward trajectory. They were really the pioneer of the commission free trading. And ultimately, I think people are going to start a mass exodusing and tr- going towards other platforms. Specifically, one sector that I think is growing rapidly and is going to continue to grow is tokenized stocks. Specifically, you can trade them on Bittrex Global, and they have products such as SLV, GameStop, Nokia, AMC, Tesla, Apple, Netflix, Alibaba, SPY, Facebook, even Pfizer, and uh, a lot more pairs than that, where ultimately you can trade these equities 24-7, 365, which I think is a very powerful idea for a lot of different reasons, but this is a basically just a different form of futures because futures track the price pre-market after a market and ultimately provide basically price tracking for when it's not in standard trading hours but that's limited to your monday to friday or sorry sunday to friday but ultimately when you are working with tokenized equities it's 24 7 365. So in some essence, it kind of becomes the futures of the futures, because this could be, this could provide data into which way the futures will break when they do open, and ultimately, possibly the trajectory for some of these meme stocks, because Robinhood restricted basically the, the market that you're able to buy on Thursday, and on Friday, they reduced it so you could only buy one stock, which was... Uh, definitely not the right thing to do from my perspective because it's kind of forcing their hand they say they're protecting investors when there are some pretty serious accusations that they have other motifs
0: yeah that's a pretty hard sell (laughs) to say that you are trying to help the investor or 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 the trader by only allowing the purchase one share of certain stocks like come on man like slv hasn't even moved that much Um, That's I call total BS on that one, but kind of going back to the tokenization, I, I do think that's going to be extremely impactful. It'd be interesting to see how stocks are going to be trading during times that they've never traded before. In a normal public stock market, they're open for six and a half hours a day on futures. They're open for 24 hours a day, like Nathan said, from Sunday to Friday. So there are periods where there are there are no stocks trading. So then like opening patterns might be different because opening patterns only work in situations where there's no liquidity, there's no trading during that time. And that's why some of these patterns and uh, strategies work. But in this new market of 365 days a year, it's trading like, like in crypto because it's tokenization, you don't really have these opportunities. So it'd be interesting to see this new market emerge that's also trading in the traditional sense of these equities, but then you are not really using normal strategies. Um, it's kind of integrating crypto as well as traditional and kind of putting them together in one. So it's a future of a future. Um, but then at a certain point, the future of the future is the only price that there currently is for that asset because on a Saturday night, that the only thing that's on the public markets that is tradable for that stock is the future of the future, which is just a tokenized instrument that you could trade on, for example, Bittrex Global. So I think that market is gonna grow. There's gonna be a lot more accessibility by people around the world. I don't think there's gonna be those limitations and huge corporations owning, uh, let's let's say Bittrex, so then they have that freedom to be able to trade and purchase as many shares of GameStop or SLV as they want which is in my opinion a much better way to navigate the financial markets when
1: yeah 100% i mean we're in such revolutionary times that this feels almost kind of like a class war like the lower end retail investors are finally able to teach a lesson to the hedge funds who entered these trades full well knowing that short losses are unlimited and it's a very peculiar time this is definitely hands down the most interesting time that i have ever seen within my experience in finance investing stocks crypto whatever you may call it we've never seen a such large public interest or b such a vulnerable position that these hedge funds have found themselves in and uh, it's led for some really interesting market conditions and ultimately i think that this short with silver and the massive discrepancy between the amount of physical silver that exists and the amount of silver product that exists as online derivatives or random financial products has, is going to have a massive fundamental effect because pretty much every major bank, every major investment firm has exposure to these kinds of products. And that's created a massive discrepancy between real silver And the amount that's traded as a digital asset on top of several large cap silver products, like SLV, for example, with outstanding short floats. Because ultimately, when you look back at the years, time over time, silver and gold have been seen as basically inflation hedges. Inflation gets bad. You want to store that money elsewhere. But ultimately, we've seen such slow growth of silver within the time frame that these derivative products have been expanding because it's a means for them to keep the price down by effectively increasing the supply via digital assets that mimic the price of silver and provide financial exposure. But that's very different than the actual physical silver metal itself. And so, ultimately, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but as these random wall street bets pumps continue and investment banks investment funds and all the like continue to get exposed i would not be surprised if there is a very large boom within the silver market just because of these crazy fundamental aspects to how the market can stand to grow in 2021
0: yeah it's kind of like a impending doom it's inevitable but it's going to be extremely disruptive. And I don't know how the other side is going to be because you know, if huge, huge banks, most of them go under a lot of bank accounts. um, You know, there's a certain amount that they're insured, but a lot of people will lose money. So it'd be a difficult time, but then, you know, what could emerge from that could be a better future and world for people that have a more independent way and, and more, decentralized way of interacting and, and, and really um, having commerce in an economy and, and that's pretty unbelievable and some of the stuff that could benefit is things like Uniswap and other DeFi exchanges and what this is so beneficial for compared to things like Binance or even Bittrix really is No one can turn off Uniswap, right? It's not like a single entity that you can point out. Like, I can look at Binance and say, okay, CZ is the main guy at Binance. Like, you can't really say that with Uniswap. So these decentralized networks, I think, are going to play a very important role when we see things like Robinhood restrict the ability for people to purchase SLV, for example. So um, I think people are getting fed up. I think that's why BTC was created in the first place and things like Uniswap are going to be used a lot more in the near future because people are understanding that having a huge corporation control really your every move within a certain market, like you're trading in the financial markets, if you're trading just with Robinhood, you now do not have the option to purchase a certain stock. You can only buy one share. Um, As a human being, you should have the right to to navigate the financial markets. And if you believe in that, uh, Uniswap could be a really good option for you.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think 2021 is going to be the year of decentralization. And just to wrap up this episode, we've been uh, chatting a lot about Chamath Palapatiya. He's a tech entrepreneur, I guess you could say, who is recently entered the running for California governor. Super interesting guy. He's a professional poker player. He's on the Virgin Galactic chair board. And now, he's, I mean, he is pro-Bitcoin. He's been a very big proponent because he is the CEO of his venture capital firm called Social Capital. And ultimately, he is tossing himself into the ring for contention as California governor. He's got a lot of interesting ideas. Uh, One of them is that he wants to abolish student loans as well as bump teachers up to $70,000 pay. And uh, I mean, I guess you can gauge just off those policies alone that he's a very liberal thinker. And ultimately, I think actually i guess the thing that contradicts that is he wants to put california state tax to zero dollars or zero percent to encourage and drive growth but ultimately it'll be interesting to see how this shapes up because he's really come into the spotlight with all of this gme news he's really uh taken light to it and he's a big proponent of bitcoin mass media and I feel like he's one of the people that in times of chaos, like we're seeing in the financial markets, he's usually got a couple interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. And has always a calm, cool, collected head on his shoulders. Um, yeah. Very interesting person to uh, hear on podcasts and, and read and, and watch. But uh, to be honest, I, I definitely do hope that he actually pursues this and people are going to be supporting him because He's an extremely intelligent human being, and then I think under his, not uh, guidance, but uh, his ability to see the future trends and um, see the larger perspective on a global macro level on the changes that could be made in order to benefit California, it, it's definitely, in my opinion, something that's going to be for the positive. Um, having a focus <laughs> on education is, I think, very important, so he's definitely going towards paying teachers more. So it's a a more, I guess, looked at career because if you're getting paid not much, there's less desirability for you to actually want to go into that as well as making sure that California is actually being um, on top in technology. So we'll see how it goes. He's, in my opinion, the right person for it. I absolutely love listening to him and on his podcast. So. Um, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I can't really do much, but uh, for the people living in California, I hope you make the right choice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. It'll be interesting to see as these kind of new age entrepreneurs, I guess you could call them, enter basically the seats for office. We see Andrew Yang running as the mayor of New York, I believe it is. He's a registered participant. And so I think that the crazy simulation that began in 2020 is only going to continue. And uh, we're in for many more months and years of every week, day, month, whatever it may be, being stranger than the last. And uh, we really hope that you appreciate these episodes. We are very thankful for our community, everyone tuning in, taking the time, posting on the Discord, whatever it may be. Ultimately, we're all along for this crazy ride together. And to wrap it off, I'll pass it over to Keith.
0: Yeah, like Nathan said, thank you again for tuning in. It's been a pretty unbelievable month, two months here. Kind of since October, BTC has been really, really aggressively pushing to the upside. But these short squeeze news stories and these opportunities are um kind of what I thought unf- unfathomable. Like, I didn't think that it was a possibility that a subreddit group would be uh, dismantling, like, huge corporations like Melvin Capital. But hey, that's the reality we're living in, and I hope you are uh, either profiting or managing risk however you are positioning yourself in these markets. They're definitely opportunities, but I hope you are safe and uh, are speculating in, in in a way that is somewhat managing risk or, or at least being able to do, do the best of your ability. So thank you again for tuning in for the 47th episode of Performante Podcast. And until next time, have a good one, traders.